0: Welcome everyone to Kingdom Rock Radio. We pray that you will enjoy today's message. Now here's a sample of what you'll be hearing today. In order for the good part of ministry to take place, the pleasant part, the agreeable part, in order for it to be good, you're going to have to have balance. Somebody, so it could be a mentor, a friend, a spouse, maybe Lord even um, lead you to read a certain book because people can, you can be mentored through a book as well. Hearing the thoughts of someone else as the Lord begins to lead you in that direction, you need an azir. you need an helper. When you've got an assignment from God, you need a helper. God said it's not good that you carry that anointing all by yourself. Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located right here in Bremen, Georgia. You can connect with us at our website, at www.kingdomrock.org and now here is today's message all right well good morning everybody once again here and uh our, to our online community we welcome you guys so very much and thank you once again for being a part of today's service we know that the lord has a rich word in store for you and we thank you so much for taking your time to watch this video or listen to the audio the podcast so many And we do appreciate you guys. Thank you for communicating with us at our website at uh, KingdomRock.org. It's there that you can watch today's video as well as the entire series. So check it out. All right. All right, everybody. We're going to go into part number 11 of the series entitled Rediscovering the Kingdom. Now, I'll let you know beforehand that I believe that this is the last part in the series. I say I believe because I won't know until after we're done, but I believe this is the last part of the series because I believe I see on the horizon something else that the Lord wants us to go and and eat. He wants somewhere else that he wants us to go and eat. Remember, the Lord is our shepherd, and he leads us to where he's called us to eat, where he leads us to the next green pasture. So we've been feeding on this for quite a while, right? We've been feeding on rediscovering the kingdom, but now I believe he's taking us and saying, come over yonder to this field, and we're going to eat from another pasture. Every time we feed on his instruction, we get stronger. We get stronger. We develop more clarity. So one is built on the other. All right, today we're going to go into the uh, title again, anointed to rule. This is part number two. We started on uh, part one on last week. This is part number two anointed to rule say with me I am anointed to rule yes you are so we gave you a definition on last week of the word rule the word rule meaning control of or dominion over an area exercise ultimate power or authority let's go into our, our root scripture in mark 1 verses 14 and 15 and it says this now after that John was put in prison Jesus came into Galilee preaching the kingdom, rather preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Amen. All right. So we've been endeavoring to do that, repenting and believing the gospel of the kingdom. And I pray that that will continue on in your life. Now let's look at um, Luke 12. Luke 12, verses 29 through 33. We went over this one last time, and I saw something else that I want to bring up before you today. The Bible says here in verse 29, Luke 12, verse 29, it says, And seek not ye what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of what doubtful mind. Another key for for receiving from the kingdom is not being of A doubtful mind you want to keep continue to meditate on the Word of God meditate on God's promises until all of your doubt dissipates you cannot be of a double mind a doubtful mind is one who thinks two ways maybe this or maybe that the Lord says neither be ye of doubtful mind now notice what he's saying here in verse 30 he says for all these things say these things for all these things say these things for all these things do the nations of the world seek after for your for um it says and your heavenly one more time for all these things do the nations of the world seek after and your father knoweth that ye have need of what these things verse 31 but rather seek ye the kingdom of God and what all what these things shall be added unto you. Now notice he kept saying these things, these things, these things, these things. He first, first starts off by of telling us, don't be of a doubtful heart. Don't be of a doubtful mind. Don't do that. Don't waver back and forth. Don't do it. Because God already knows that you have need of these things. He says, as a matter of fact, the world seeks after these things. They're seeking after. They're pursuing the things. The world pursues the things. The world pursues or seeks after the thing but God said if you just seek the kingdom of God these things all these things will be added to you so in effect the Lord says don't seek these things seek the kingdom of God got me don't seek the thing seek the kingdom of God in verse 32 the Lord says here fear not little flock for it is your father's good pleasure to what Give you the kingdom. And verse 33 gives us our mindset. He says, sell that ye have, sell that ye have and give alms, provide yourselves bags, which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth, that faileth not, neither rather where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupts. So Lord says, Make a full investment in the kingdom of God. He says, sell all that you have or sell that you have. Give alms. or In other words, give to the poor. Start giving. He says, sell all you have, start giving. In other words, of course, he's not saying, I want you to go out and live a life of poverty, take a, a vow of poverty where you don't have anything. He's not saying that. But there is extra that you have. There is something that you can give away. He wants you to have a mindset of a giver. And when you have the mindset of a giver, you will then provide for yourself bags that will wax not old. In other words, you begin to store up treasure in the heavens. You begin to then store up treasure in the heavens. You begin to open your bank account, in other words, in heaven. Got it? In heavenly places where moth can't corrupt, where thieves can't break through and steal. You got to have the mindset of a giver. Remember again, the world says, I'm seeking after stuff. I must have these things. The Lord says, Hey, don't be of a doubt for mine. That's what they do. They seek after the things. He says, Your father already knows that you have need of these things. And because God knows that you have need of these things, that is implied that if God knows it, he's going to fulfill it. It's implied if he knows it, he's going to fulfill it. God knows it, he's going to do it. He said, but this is what you do. Don't seek after the stuff. Seek after the kingdom. And because you seek after the kingdom of God, all these things that they're struggling for, that they're seeking after, they're searching for. He said, I'll just give them to you. I'll just give them to you. They're struggling for promotion. I'll make a way you're going to be promoted above them. They're struggling for good credit. They're struggling for money. Don't worry about that. Just seek my kingdom. Learn how it operates, learn how to maneuver in it, learn how to operate in it, learn how to flow in my kingdom. He said, now I'll give you all this other stuff. Don't let stuff be the focus of your life. Let the kingdom of God be the focus of your life. Amen. And the kingdom of God, once again, is not only resources, but it is the power to rule. It's the power to rule. Now we said last time that man was made, it was created to rule, to subdue, to have dominion. So we talked about a lot of things last time. We talked about uh, our position to rule. Our position is, of course, we're seated in Christ in heavenly places. We talked about the power behind our rule. The power behind our rule is in the name of Jesus. Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So the power behind our rule is is Jesus. He's the, the name of Jesus. He's the power behind our rule. Now, what are we to rule over? We talked about th- three areas on last week. We'll touch on uh, on the final today. The first area we said that we're going to rule over is our own flesh. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, chapter, verse 27, that he said he's going to keep under. He said, I keep under my body. I bring my body under subjection. You're going to rule over your flesh. Secondly, you're going to rule over your own house. And so we're going to talk about that today. Ruling over your own house, the the house of God, your house, not just the church house, but your house where you live must be set in order. When the house is set in order, the church is set in order. When the church is set in order, the community is set in order. When the community is set in order, the world changes. You got me? The Lord has also given us authority or the rule over darkness. We talked about that on last week as well. The Lord given us has given us power to tread upon serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt us. So let's go back now and let's talk about that rule in our own home. It's important that you get it right at home. How sad is it to be a public success, but be a private success? failure. The root or the strength of your power, should I say, other or the root or strength of your rule is going to be based in your home. The strength of your rule is going to be based in your home. Fakes, phonies, pretenders, hypocrites will not go too far. It's got to be based in our homes. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the beginnings of a rule. Let's go back to Genesis, the first chapter, Genesis 1. And let's look at verse 26, 27, 28, when God started it all here, as written in Scripture. Genesis 1, verse 26, 27, and 28. And the Bible says, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Now, we know that the Father is a ruler. He is the ruler. Amen. So you were created after the image and likeness of a ruler, of the ruler. Amen. He says, and let them have dominion. The word dominion, there's also interpreted rule. Let them have dominion or let them have rule over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth. And over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Verse 27, and God created man in his own image, in the image, uh, rather in the image of God, created he him, male and female, created he them. And God blessed them. And, and, and God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. Subdue it meaning Um, make subservient, put your foot down, put your claim down. And then he says, and have dominion, once again, over or rule over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So again, he said, have rule, have dominion, have rule, have dominion, have rule. I'm giving that power and authority over to you. Now, what we stopped at last time was the point where the Lord said that he never intended man to dominate or have dominion over man. He never intended for that to happen. Neither was the woman created to be subject to man. So we have to really get into this and, and tear down some of these, um, some of these errors. So let's go back to Genesis 2, verse number 18, Genesis 2, 18. I want to show you this. And the Bible says here in Genesis 2, 18, it says, and the Lord God said, it is not good that the man that was Adam, right? That the man, Adam, not only Adam, but the word Adam also means mankind. It is not good that Adam or mankind should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. Now we're going to define some words here. The word good talks about being pleasant, agreeable, excellent, or beneficial. Good meaning pleasant, agreeable, excellent, or beneficial. The Lord said, it's not good. It is not pleasant. It is not agreeable. It is not excellent. It is not beneficial that the man. That is, in this case, Adam and also all of mankind should be alone. Now, the word alone, of course, means by itself. It means separation. The word alone implies the existence of others that are not currently present. When you say, uh, look at them, they're they're in the food court at the mall. They're sitting there all alone. When you say that they're they're all alone, you are saying that someone else should be there or someone else could be there, but they're just not there at that moment. When they, when you say they're alone, that denotes that there are others. That there are others. And surely when the father made the spirit of man, all the human race, he just gave Adam a body first. All the human race was made inside of God. When God said, let us make man our own image after our own likeness, we understand that God is spirit. So how do you make a spirit? I mean, a spirit makes a spirit, right? So when he said, I'll I'll make man in my own image after my own likeness, the Lord did that. He created spirit. So man was alive a man was man was in existence but Adam got his body first so the rest of the human race was still there within God but Adam got a body God made a body and put him in it and so the Lord said it's not good that Adam should be alone meaning that there are other humans that that are right now with me that don't have bodies it's not beneficial for him just to be there by himself it is not pleasant For him to be there by himself is not agreeable. It's not excellent. I've got to make him a helper. Got me? Now, the word help means there, this is the, I want you to understand this. This this word helper is the uh, Hebrew word azir. Azir. And azir means one who balances another. One who balances another a counterpart who is suitable and complementary for him in this case, for Adam, one who helps. So God says, I'm going to make Adam a helper. I'm going to make him an azir, somebody who is going to balance him. I'm going to make him somebody that's going to balance him. Somebody that's going to make his life more beneficial, excellent, pleasant. That's going to make it good. So up until this point, Adam was definitely uh, flowing in the anointing, flowing in the gifts gifts and callings for his life. He was in the will of God for his his life, but there was no balance. He did not have balance because the Lord did not make him an azir, an azir first. Got me? All right, so Adam, so this means, again, that The Lord wanted community. Man was not made to be by himself. He needs community. And the Lord also uh, will give you someone that will bring your life balance. Now, this someone that is not necessarily an Eve, like in a female counterpart, because it could be a man. But this is someone who is called to bring you balance, someone that will help you uh, make your life more beneficial, more agreeable, more pleasant. Because God has an azir for everyone. Okay? So this person may be a spouse. It may be a mentor. It may be a friend. It may be a partner. This someone is called to help you and to balance you. Help you and to balance you. That's very important. So again, you can be highly anointed of God, but be out of balance at the same time. And someone that has so much power radiating from them, walking in the calling, but they're out of balance, chances are you're going to hurt somebody, if not hurting yourself, you're going to be also misunderstood because there must be balance. In order for the good part of ministry to take place, the pleasant part, the agreeable part, in order for it to be good, you're going to have to have balance. Somebody, so it could be a mentor, a friend, a spouse. Maybe the Lord even um, leads you to read a certain book because people can, you can be mentored through a book as well. Hearing the thoughts of someone else as the Lord begins to lead you in that direction. You need an Azir, you need an helper. When you've got an assignment from God, you need a helper. God said it's not good that you carry that anointing all by yourself. You're going to need an azir. Hallelujah. So everything was good in the garden until until the fall happened. Now, there are several results of the fall in Genesis the third chapter, Genesis 3, that I want to give you today, several results of the fall. And as we're into the message now, I think we have one more of these to go. (laughs) Praise the Lord, Josh, I don't know. Several results of the fall. There are about eight results that I found. Let me just go through them quickly with you. One, death came in the picture. Death and sin, sin and death came in as a result of the fall, or or death came by sin, right? Secondly, the snake was cursed to crawl on his belly. Third, uh, the prophecy about the coming of Christ as a seed of the woman. That was also released as a result of the fall or it was revealed as a result of the fall. God's plan was already in motion, but it was revealed after the fall. Four, pain in pregnancy and childbirth. Five, husband rules over wife. Six, the ground is cursed, and it will not yield easy fruit uh, as it did before. Evidently, before the fall, fruit was, I mean, gardening was wonderful. But after the fall, the Lord said, by the sweat of your brow, which leads us to number seven, man will reap by toil and sweat, which did not happen before the fall. And eight, as a result of the fall, mankind did not have access to the tree of life any longer. Got me? So what did Jesus restore? Number one, Jesus restored the kingdom. He restored the power and authority, the rule to mankind. Secondly, he restored man's relationship with God. You you now have right standing with God through Christ Jesus. And last, of course, he gave us access once again to the tree of life. Jesus is that tree of life. Are you with me? Now, come on. Hang with me now. Hang with me. Hang with me. Y'all stay with me? All this is important. and We're coming to it. But what didn't Christ restore or change when he came? What didn't Christ restore? Whatever he did not restore at the moment is what we're going to have to learn to, uh, he's given us to overcome or will be restored later, later on. One, we said death. Is death still occurring? Yes, people are still dying. But what the Lord Jesus did give us is by his stripes we're healed. So we can be healed, but people will still die. Healing will give the person more time. That's what healing does, gives you more time. Because unless the Lord comes, they're still going to die. Just further on down the road. Lazarus, when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he defeated death. But Lazarus later on still I'm sure he still died. Right? He died again. So uh, do snakes still crawl in their bellies? Yeah. I think that's going to continue to happen. Now, death, of course, will be put under the Lord's feet. Uh, eventually, he's going to put all that away. I'm not sure about snakes. I, I don't know. Uh, the third, the prophecy concerning Christ. The, did the Lord Jesus come? Absolutely. Are women still having pain in childbirth and pregnancy? Yes. Yes. That's a, that's a resounding yes. That took place, but again, the Lord can make make a pregnancy just wonderful. There are some that have had no um, pain in delivery. Some that have some that delivered babies in elevators and didn't even know it. Uh, we'll call no names. Uh, five. Are husbands still ruling over wives, being the governor over wives? Six, is the ground still cursed? Is it still do when, when you plant crops outside and it's hot, are you still going to sweat and getting it up? Yeah, that's still here, right? When you work, you toil, you're working, you toil. Again, there, the Lord does have a way of giving us toilless victory. He's given us a certain amount of victory in that, but we've got to contend with that. And, of course, uh, last, we have access now to the tree of life that is in Jesus Christ. Now, let's focus on the home because the Lord wants, wants me to focus on this part about the husband ruling over the wife or governing the wife. Now, that in mind, let me show you a few scriptures. Then we're going to go on we need, because we need to have these scriptures in mind as we go to that. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians 10, let's look at verse 5 and 6. The Lord says here, or the word says, cast down imaginations in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Verse 6, so verse 5 talks about warfare. Verse 6 says, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. General rule, once you line up, Then you give authority, you give right uh, for the Lord, for his officers to begin to do warfare against the things that are coming against you. When you are lined up, it says having in readiness, hey, we're ready to do warfare. We're ready to avenge you once you, once your obedience is fulfilled, right? Right? Look at James 4, 7. It says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you, saying essentially the same thing. You submit, you come in order, then you'll have power to resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Got it? There's an order established there. Uh, let's look at Galatians, uh, things you need to notice too. Galatians, the third chapter, let's hop on down to verse number 28. Galatians third chapter 28 says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male or female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. So the ruling over of husband over wife, yes, or should I say, uh, some have called it, well, man is meant to rule woman. Well, if they're in Christ, there's no gender there. We're all one in Christ Jesus. So when the Bible talks about the office of a husband and office of a wife, that is different from that of a man and a woman. Got me? Every husband is a man. Every woman is a wife. But not every man is a husband. Not every woman is a wife. There's a distinction. You got me? Let's look one more. Let's look at uh, the Lord said, cert- He set certain cert- safeguards in marriage. Let's look at First Peter third chapter verse number seven. First Peter third chapter verse seven says this, "In the same way you husbands must must give honor to your wives, treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner. In God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should. So your prayers will not be hindered. So one of the things you have to understand that when Jesus came, he did come and restore the partnership that Adam had with Eve. In the beginning, before the fall, Adam and Eve were there. There was, Adam did not rule over Eve. He did not govern over Eve, but after the fall, the Lord did set set a governorship in place. Let me show you this uh, directly again out of the New Living Translation, Genesis the third chapter, verse number sixteen, Genesis three, verse sixteen. And it says, Then he said to the woman, this is after the fall, he said, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and in pain you will give birth. So once again, ladies, when you're there in the delivery room, don't look at your husband with anger. You did this. Don't look at him. The Bible says, the Lord said, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and and in pain you will give birth. It says, and you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. So some have said, that men were given the right to rule over women. That is not what the scripture says. It does not say that this is an error. God did not, and He has never appointed a man to rule over a woman. He does commission the husband to rule over or govern or govern the wife, meaning that uh, the ruling here, meaning that she is his responsibility. And he has been given authority uh, over her life to help her to, uh, to help her grow and develop in the knowledge of Christ Jesus. And we'll see this also in Ephesians. He has been given the responsibility to be her caretaker, to be a caretaker. I hear some women say, well, I don't need no man to take care of me. i take care of myself. I got that. And I understand what you are saying. Because there are some sorry examples Um, of men who are outside of the will of God. There are that surely there is, but there, but that does not deflate the role of a godly husband and the role of a godly wife. And when one sets himself himself or herself in order, you'll find the Lord helping you to set the other in order. Hallelujah. All right. So the word rule here in this context is a word, uh, moshal, And it means of course, to rule, to reign, to make governor, meaning the husband is the caretaker of the wife. He must care for her. Now, how does this governing look? We're going to begin to close here by looking at Ephesians five. Ephesians five tells you how this governing looks. How does the rule of the home Look, after the fall of man, if we get this right, then our home is in order. And when homes are in order, that means the churches are in order. When churches is in order, communities are in order. When communities are in order, the world can change. Got me. So let's look at Ephesians, the fifth chapter, verse 21 through 33. And the Bible says here and further and further submit to one Another. Out of reverence for Christ. So first of all, you're born again. The husband's born again. The wife's born again. The Bible says y'all ought to submit to one another. There are times when my wife is absolutely right and I am absolutely wrong. I know you don't believe that. There are times when I need to heed to her counsel. I need to hear the voice of God coming from her mouth. And I submit to that word, just like God told Abraham. Abraham, listen to your wife because he had, she had words of counsel and instruction that came from God. So we submit to one another in the fear of the Lord, knowing that each of us carries the spirit of God within us and can have a word. Hallelujah. So he said, submit one to another. Now it goes on down verse 22. It says for wives, for wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. So we're going right back to Genesis, right? Right back to Genesis. But it's not one-sided anymore. It's a divine partnership there. It's a divine partnership. When it came out of Genesis, Genesis third chapter, it was a one-sided deal. But because of Christ, it has become a partnership. That is because, you know, Abraham Abraham and Sarah, they would give birth. And of course, the seed would go through Abraham and so forth and so on. So the promise of Christ was there in their relationship. And so God even made them more of a partner, partnership. And as they both gave heed to the word that the Lord has given unto them. But man, but the husband rather, does have, uh, he is expected to have the rule, he's expected to govern uh, in his household. Now, how does this look? We see what the wife is asked to do, submit to her husband as, as the church submits to Christ, but how, how does the godly husband respond to this? Verse number 25 says, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church, he gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. So that's a huge responsibility to give of yourself, to hang on a cross. And there will be times when husbands, you will hang on a cross for your wife. That is your, um, that is your suffering, some pain or some agony, to see that she lives. That may mean you closing your mouth or not saying something or not doing something so that God can work with her, can regenerate her for time. You're, you're, you're there. That may mean you're compromising. That may mean you're giving, you're giving in. Hallelujah. So that she may be developed in the word of God. So that she may be developed. So that she may grow and mature in Christ. Because that's what the Lord Jesus did for us. He hung on that cross. He gave up, gave up himself so that the church could grow and develop and can be one with God the Father. So the Bible says that the husband should love his wife as Christ loved the church. As Christ loved the church, he gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean washed by the cleansing of God's word. Verse 27. He did this to present her to himself a, as a glorious church without spot, without a spot or wrinkle or any such rather, or any other blemish. Instead, she would be holy and without fault. Now that's big shoes. So it is the goal of the husband to Give of himself, give of his life so that his wife may be developed so that she will be without spot or wrinkle growing in Christ. You may be hanging on your cross as you are in your prayer time, praying for her as you're prophesying over her, loving her as Christ has the church. Now those are big shoes to feel big shoes to feel. The role of a husband, the office of the husband. But when God gives a title, when he gives a commission, he also gives the anointing to do it. The Bible says, verse 28, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. Wow. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church and he rather, and we are members of his body. Verse 31, as the scripture says, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife should respect her husband. Again, this is the model of Genesis. So it's not a lording type of authority that God gives to the husband. Not at all. Not at all. But it's a commission It's a commission to develop and grow. And I tell you, I know it's hard to hear. I know it's hard to hear. I know it's hard to hear. But you should be able to see the results in the wife. If a husband has been a good husband, you should be able to see results of his stewardship or of his governorship in her life. So, if she is weak and defeated, if she is easily overcome after years of marriage, then that's going to have to be some result of the husband. At the same token, if the husband feels he is not respected, if the husband feels as though she never listens to me. And if he goes out in the, in the world and he seeks respect from someone else, that's going to have to be some of the result of the wife. If the husband doesn't feel like he can go out and conquer the world, it's going to have to be some of that. So God said, Adam, man, I will make you a helper. One, to balance you. She's going to balance you. I'm going to give you an azir. She's going to balance you. You're going to bring balance to your home. Balance to your home. Not one where the man or the husband rules over his wife. Come here, woman. No. That image is not of God. And that's not what God calls you to do. There is love As husbands, we should pray, Lord, let your love flow from me to her. She doesn't need my love. She needs your love. Show me how to love her the way you love me. It should be the goal of every husband to allow the love of God to flow through him to his wife. It should be the role of every wife to say, Father, help me to respect my husband, to submit to my husband as the church submits and respects Christ. You got me? Last, we're going to do this. The children are also called to respect and honor their parents. Let's go to Ephesians, Ephesians 6, verses 1, 2, and 3. Look at this. Ephesians 6, verses 1, 2, and 3. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is what? For this is right. For this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Isn't that something? Children are are not meant to rule their parents. And when children rule their parents, boy, the house is out of order. You're raising up little nightmares and baby kids. You got what I'm saying? When the little three-year-old rules and dominates the parents, or the little three-year-old returns to a 13-year-old that's going to rule and dominate the home. The Lord says, hey, honor your mother and your father. Honor them. Especially when you get older, older children, honor your mother and your father. Honor them. Which is the first commandment of promise. He first says, children, when you're children, obey your mommies and daddies. And when you get older, honor mother and father. He said that it may be well with you so that you can live long. Again, when a When the family is in order, when the household is in order, the church can be in order. When the church is in order, the community can be in order. When the community is in order, we can change the world. Miracles still do happen online community. We're done with this series. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. We're raising the roof. We're raising the roof. Jesus did it. He did it. Lord, how could I ever doubt you? You did it. So, as we conclude this series, Restoring the Kingdom of God or Rediscovering the Kingdom of God, remember, it all comes down to rule. all comes down to order. Come in line and let the Lord just flow out of your life. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for this moment you've given us, Lord, we release this entire series unto you, These entire series of messages, Lord, we pray that we would take your words to heart, that we would relax and focus our attention on you, and that we we would receive from you. Let us be the examples of Christ in the earth today, so that when people see us, they'll see you through us. When they hear us, they'll hear you through us. When they feel us, they'll feel you through us. We pray that your kingdom come, that your will be done, in us, in the earth, just like it is in heaven. We give you praise today and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we pray that you were blessed and encouraged by today's message. Don't forget, you can connect with us at our website at kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can hear today's message as well as the entire series. So check it out today. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you, and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today, only he can make a way. We'll see you on the next time.